Welcome to The Athletic Approach, where we discuss some of the overlooked aspects of sports and mentality. This show is brought to you by Culture and Sports, where we believe that culture is critical to long-term success. I'm Manisha Agarwal. And I'm Bryce Strecker, and this is The Athletic Approach. So today we're going to talk about how different sports requires different mental skills but before we get into that we'll go into a bit about us and our background so I've done a undergraduate psychology degree at Liverpool John Laws University and I stayed there and did my master's in sports psychology so I've done my stage one training um, that's accredited by the British Psychological Society and I'm hoping to start my stage two training soon and I did my undergraduate in physical education and health sciences at McPherson College in Kansas, where I played baseball there for four years as well. And then after that, I did my master's degree at Adams State University, and that one was in applied sports psychology. And right now I'm currently finishing up the last little bits of my certification for the certified mental performance coach through the Association of Applied Sports Psychology. So hopefully soon I'll be a certified CMPC and continue doing this with athletes. That is so exciting. And then we can, you know, kind of, it is so important to have that that accreditation. And as well, even just talking about ourselves, like my background is in dance and even then we can already can imagine so many differences between baseball and dance and kind of like the different mental skills (laughs) that can go into two sports that are completely different I mean dance is still kind of is it a sport is it not I'd like to think it is um but yeah there's a lot of things um to sort of consider um and I guess one of the things to mention is that from having different mental skills there's different physical demands within these sports so I know that for example with dance you've got to be flexible you know that's something that maybe isn't required in a lot of other sports um And then I guess another example is sort of Michael Jordan and how he found it so different to basketball, basketball and baseball, again, two very different sports. And then again, because of the different physical demands leads to different mental skills and different psychological demands as well. Yeah. Yeah. I like like how you kind of pointed out the drastic differences between our two backgrounds. Because I can't even imagine like some of the the psychological demands that come with dance. Being up there, it's very much like an isolated thing where you're the center of attention and like nothing else matters for a couple of minutes. Where in baseball, nothing, it's, I guess it's similar in a way where nothing matters for the majority of the game. There's, you know, 90% of baseball games are like one to nothing, two to nothing. And so I I get the whole crowd that baseball is boring. I disagree, but I understand the point of it. And then from from a psychological perspective, it's a weird, weird thing because your head can be off in the clouds and you can be thinking about anything in the world for eight and a half innings. And then all of a sudden you're up to bat in the bottom of the ninth inning with the tying run on third base. And if you're not prepared for that mentally and you're not locked in and ready to go and your head is still in the clouds, you almost stand no chance. Mm -hmm. So being able to like balance that mixture of being all over the place, kind of just doing your thing 
and then switching over and locking in 100%, being fully focused and present in that moment is a really weird dynamic in that sport specifically. Mm. Is your organization's culture struggling? Do you need some help identifying, analyzing, and changing your organization's culture? If so, please reach out to us at cultureinsports.com or on social media so we can help your organization perform at its highest levels. At Culture in Sports, our focus is to provide solutions and transformations for long-term success. Mm, no, 100%. And it's like, again, that idea of focus. And again, with with again the differences with dance is that you're on stage for a couple of minutes and usually three to four minutes depending on how long the choreography is and you're thinking about what well what are you thinking about sort of before stage like before getting on stage like a lot of the time I've always been told don't go over the choreo before you're about to go on stage because you're going to mess up because you keep going over it but then it's quite interesting because once you're on stage you don't really think about it because it becomes that muscle memory and I guess that's where a state of flow can come into it you know for those few minutes where you just you're just doing what you need to do and whatever happens happens and then again that memory is all psychological like how do you have good memory to pick up the choreography and that comes through training and everyone has different training backgrounds and again that kind of expands to different genres of dance um, and again with how different players can come from different sport backgrounds and how they interpret their sport to be and how they interpret their play um, and I guess if they buy into mental skills and psychology as well so it goes into a whole other kind of dimension <laughs> yeah the the difference like the different demands between different sports is one thing and then you hit it there at the end the the buy-in is everything it's without that from especially from the top down you know in the work we do whether you're working with an individual or a team it's still different if you know we're working with a team you need that buy-in not only from the players because you want them to learn these skills that we're talking about but you need that buy-in from the higher-ups the coaches the people up top that are okaying you're you're working with the team and all that stuff if they're still in that that headspace of like we don't need this work it's not going to benefit us then you you stand almost no chance of possibly benefiting that team because for one they're not going to let you in and say they do you know let us come and work with them but they're very anti our work the the players model that it's mm -hmm. that that culture that they built within that program whatever the the coaches are doing and behaving like and believing in players are bound to model it so if they're against it and they don't you know show up to our sessions or they don't care if they have the sessions they don't care if the players go to the sessions whatever it is that's going to like filter through the whole program and the players are going to be there listening to us but just to check the box you know they're there so they don't have to be punished by coach or they're there because they have nothing better to do where that's obviously not where we want to be we would much rather have that true buy-in coaches that are looking to build that healthy culture from a mental and physical standpoint and bring us in to help with that mental side, especially. 
mm-hmm. they're bought into it. They preach it to the athletes and the athletes are all of a sudden interested. And we can kind of give our pitch and just keep kind of reeling them in, reeling them in. And then lo and behold, they're actually listening and they're learning and they're making adjustments and they're growing and changing over time. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And kind of with that buy-in, it's one thing to be kind of persuaded into what sports psychology can bring but then it's also buying into you as a sports psychologist because if they don't like you as a person then it's likely to not really work because they don't want to hear things from you they may and again it kind of goes back to if they love the idea of psychology but they're a bit like oh but I don't want to hear it from this guy then then really less engaged to then less likely to engage within the mental skill and that's so different again amongst different sports like this culture and with that comes different funding as well so some sports you know highly you know kind of appreciate sports psychology but then other sports don't really appreciate it or they don't understand enough about it and if you don't know enough then that's kind of where the issues can come or kind of where you're less likely to get that funding for a sports psychologist because, you know, sometimes sport as an industry it is quite cutthroat and that's kind of the same with dance and like the performing arts. And if you don't have that kind of, yeah, that culture, then it's so hard to then buy into what sports psychology is about and also you as a person. Um, so yeah no completely yeah ticked the box on that um because it's so important to understand why it's important but also understand that mental skills isn't a a quick fix psychology in general isn't a quick fix and with that comes with how you view and interpret an athlete but understanding that they're also a person underneath that athlete and with the mental skills comes with therapy as well or even not even just that it's having a conversation with them just like on the sidelines or kind of just if you sat having lunch with them it's those conversations where sometimes they'll open up to you and it's not always a mental skill but it's how you again how you approach that and how you appear as an individual um yeah 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 it's it's all the relationships that's kind of the kicker of everything and i think even outside our realm and just in traditional sports the coaching aspect is all relationships if similar to what you were saying about athletes and coaches buying into us as people it's the same way where a kid can go in playing a sport they've loved their whole life and we hear horror stories all the time of ex-coach ruined the sport for me. I lost the love of the game because of my coach. I completely understand that. And it's because of that relationship piece where if you don't either one, you don't build that relationship from our role, or like you're saying, you don't have that chance to build that relationship. These mental skills and the stuff we can offer are never going to land. So that you mentioned the, the quick fix, which is what everybody's looking for, especially with us. The, the classic, you know, setup is a coach is like, well, I, I've heard about sports psychology and I think it could help my team. Let's let's bring Manisha in. You know, she'll talk at the beginning of the year for an hour and we're good to go. Boom. National champions. It's a lock. 
it doesn't work that way. So I think like once we have that buy-in from the teams and from the coaches, they also have to be aware that this isn't going to just fix everything like that. We can't just sit there and give them this information and talk about confidence, talk about dealing with adversity, talk about being able to focus and it just like change everything overnight. These things that we're talking about, we call them mental skills for a reason. They're, they're skills, just like the physical demands and the physical skills required for your sport. Where if, you know, the, we'll take a basketball player. The first time they picked up a ball when they were, you know, three, four, five years old, they were just heaving the ball with everything they had just to get it to the rim. And then here they are 15 years later, they're a college basketball player with, you know, a jump shot that is muscle memory. It's nothing now. They can just do it in their sleep. This stuff works the same way. They're skills that take time to get to that like advanced level. You know, the reason you grew from this five-year-old basketball player to this college basketball player was yes, you physically grew up and matured, but you went to practice every day. You learned how to shoot a jump shot. You learned how to dribble. You learned how to play defense. And over time, those things through your practice, through your reps, through your effort started to stick and become automatic. It works the same way in these mental skills and demands that we're talking about, where the more you practice learning how to focus effectively and you practice boosting your own confidence and working on your self-talk, those things start to click and become automatic for us. So over time, if these people are bought in and willing to like try some weird things, try new things, try doing things differently than they have in the past, and then they put in the practice and put in the reps, then that's that's when you finally get to see kind of the fruits of your labor and seeing these mental skills click and actually help you deal with things that happen in games. And with that, it's trying to actually, it's how do you buy those athletes into sports psychology? Because they will have their own preferences and differences. So even within one sport, each individual is a person and they will have preferences. They probably don't like to sit and write goals. That probably doesn't work for them, but they could probably sit and visualize, okay, this is what the next game is going to look like or thinking back to previous experiences and seeing how they felt from that and sort of moving forward. And if you don't understand that each individual is an individual, it's so hard to then try to place every mental skill on every individual because again it's going back to that no there's no one size fits all approach and it if the individual themselves is not motivated to carry out this mental skill then you're not going to see that change um and i think that's just really important to reiterate because it's even even within sport itself they'll have preferences in what position they want to play and if they don't have that choice. They don't have that motivation to then think, okay, I want to do this mental skill. And with that as well is that you don't wanna pile on or, you know, you can do this, you can do that. And it's thinking about what they need and what their needs are rather than to kind of showcase, oh, this is what you can do and trying to over glamorize sports psychology almost to kind of and sometimes that can be a bit off-putting because you're trying to force it too much um, rather than listening to the athletes. And that kind of idea of 
these are the skills that you need to do why not listen to the athletes and hear out what it is that they need to do because a lot of the time in sport players are told you need to do this you need to do that and sports psychology almost gives them that space to be themselves in the sense where they can ask for what they need because they don't always have that opportunity and I think as a sports psychologist you need to open up that that safe space where they can approach you and talk to you about things that maybe their coach doesn't want to hear and then you've got that kind of way in where you can think okay let's try these mental skills or maybe it's not mental skills that you need maybe it's that and it's yeah. not always that kind of oh yeah let's like I said let, let's sit down and write these goals because it might not work for them and that's the same again reflecting as a sports psychologist is you don't want to have your own background or your own preferences to be reflected onto to the player because it's not you <laughs> it's not you that's right. the athlete. It's, it's the individual that's sort of sat right in front of you Right. That that piece that you talked about there that I'm sure we'll talk about multiple times in the future because it's so massive in, in everything in sports and in life for that matter is that autonomy piece. Giving those athletes the ability to like have a little bit of say-so, to have a little bit of power in a situation because for as long as they've existed, sports don't typically work that way. You know, coaches are in charge. Coach says practices at this time. And in practice, we're doing this, this, and this. And then after practice, you're doing this. And then we leave for the game at this time. And it's just kind of like following a schedule, doing what you're told, not really having a say-so, which isn't innately a bad thing. It creates structure. Again, could go on for hours, but it creates good things. But there is drawbacks to it. It prevents those athletes from having that freedom to find exactly what suits them best. So if we have that ability to give them that power, to give them the autonomy, it creates that motivation, like you said, for them to buy in and really go all in on the mental side of things to kind of make up for maybe what they're missing on the physical side. So any way we can talk with them and start to learn what they really need, what they're looking for, what they want to get to, instead of, like you said, just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, then I think we tend to have a lot more success. From our side, we get to provide like the actual useful things that they can put into practice right away. And from their side, it creates that want to, that excitement behind it, knowing that, hey, I chose this topic. This is what I really want to learn about. So let's let's lock in, let's listen, let's try these things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think to have someone that can, listen is so important than to just have someone to tell you what to do and when to do it and with that comes with knowing that sports psychology isn't always about sports <laughs> ironically and and I think that is so important is to is to have that understanding and again that comes back to kind of the culture that the individual is in and what the sport kind of I, I kind of what's the word um don't know what the word is kind of what the sport understands to be important for the individual and understanding that their own mental health and well-being can be something outside of sport that affects their performance because if 
because as a, again as a sports psychologist you can go into things that are outside of the sport and sometimes coaches physios nutritionists they don't really want to know about that some of them do and you know having that holistic approach is so important but as a sports psychologist you do then have that um that that freedom again to explore really what it is that they want because sometimes it might not be that they want to carry on in the sport that they're in maybe it's retirement that they're thinking of maybe or again if there's an injury that they're going through because because again you you're working with athletes that probably are out for injury it's not always the active players it's not always the star players if they're going through an injury again it's different mental skills in the sense of how do you help that player to be back training because they might have that anxiety of re-injury and then again that's very different those mental skills that you'll be working with that player is very different to say say I don't know like a dancer that's probably going through an eating disorder two very different things and then again it's to what extent can a sports psychologist bring to it that doesn't go over the boundaries of what we're qualified to do as well because a lot of it can then overlap with clinical psychology um, and yeah and again that idea of anxiety can be performance anxiety but if it's like general anxiety disorders then again boundaries can be crossed but it doesn't mean that we can't help maybe yeah. it's a referral it goes yeah and again yeah. it comes, yeah. comes back to that culture of what what the sport appreciates and kind of again because you know you've seen a lot in sort of the news about gymnasts coming forward and saying that a lot of things have been abusive and and right now you don't want to come to them and say okay let's sit down and do some visualization <laughs> because that's probably not what they need right and, and it's going back to that kind of digging deeper down and going through therapy and sometimes it's having those boundaries that are so important and um, to then see okay what what is the mental skill that's needed here and not again not just within kind of boxing off different sports but the individuals within within that sport yeah yeah we talk a lot about mental skills and you hit a great point of where a lot of this stuff in this kind of realm that we're in branches well outside of sports and it's really good for us and for everybody to know that and know those boundaries you were talking about where we do draw lines at points where it's outside of our expertise and that's where referrals come in and you know we look for other people to help us out and things like that it's just such an interesting field and i know we kind of started to scratch the surface of it today talking about some of the skills and stuff but hopefully you know as we go through this we can really get a little deeper into the the nuts and bolts the workings of specific mental skills you know that's that's kind of what this is all about thank you for joining us today at the athletic approach please visit us at cultureandsports.com and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Culture in Sports, as well as on Twitter at Culture in Sport.